Welcome back to the High Ground Podcast. I am excited today because we are going to be diving into Rogue One. Um, I have a I have an interesting relationship with this movie, and I can't wait because I have some awesome guests on. We're gonna we're gonna get some some nuggets. Also, it's the best time to have this episode since we had some major news drop yesterday. So we will also get into that right here on the High Ground. Hello and welcome, my beautiful guests. How is everyone doing? Well, Great. <laughs> awesome. Yes, I am excited to talk to all of you guys about Rogue One. Uh, like I said in the beginning, I have an interesting relationship with this movie because when I first saw it, it was my least favorite Star Wars project ever. <sighs> <laughs> it's a weird way weird way to intro i, I know i know but but um and it, and it and it we remain this way until uh this is actually my second time around the horn with all the uh star wars films and after the last um high ground it moved up several places and, and i i can't wait to get everyone else's perspective rewatch it and sit with it and see how i feel so come celebration next week i might I might might be a new man. I might be. You might see me in all Rogue One gear. You know, you don't know. You uh, will see me in all Rogue One gear. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, let's start by going around. Uh, we'll have you say, you know, who you are, where you can find your amazing content, and you know, we know um, this movie has a uh, has a rough ending, uh, but you know they. Uh, they they did they did what they needed to do. My question is, what Star Wars hill are you willing to die on? Uh, so so come up with a good one. Also, anyone in the chat, um, let me bring this up. So yeah, everyone in in the chat, if you have a Star Wars hill you are willing to die on, go ahead and throw that in there as well. Um, I'll start with mine so that you guys can get get an idea of, of kind of what I'm thinking. The Star Wars hill I am willing to die on is that it's 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 just so weird when people blame the Jedi for Anakin's fall more than they blame Anakin or Sidious, the literal Sith Lord who was pushing him towards the dark side since he was eight years old. If you bring up Mace Windu before you bring up them, that's just just super weird to me. Like I and I will die on that hill all day, every day. Um. <laughs> yeah, I'll I'll go to uh, go to Dave first. So, I am Xanatos eleven thirty eight on pretty much everywhere, primarily TikTok. Uh, Star Wars Hill. I'm willing to. Do- There's so many, but um, I would say keeping it topical. Um, Solo is a pretty underrated film, and Alden deserves more, uh, more chances to be on. Nice. All right. I I approve this message. Um, how about you, Chase? Uh, so yeah, you can find me on all social media at Forward Into the Black. Uh, you can also find me uh, monthly with David on the Rogue Council podcast, where we just did an episode on Rogue One. Where I think we're I think we're a movie behind on you, or no, movie ahead on you right now, Chaco. Uh, but my Star Wars hot take, and um, please don't kick me off of this podcast after <laughs> I say it. Um, Star Wars has actively made Darth Vader a worse villain as the story has progressed. 
<laughs> All right. Well, everyone say uh, say thank you for Chase. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> No, I, I definitely get to see. I see what you. I mean, because that's that's what happens when you find out the backstory of, of yep. anyone. You know, he just this... Anakin is such a cool character and such an interesting story that it detracts from the original Darth Vader every time they dig deeper. Mm-hmm. I think it's a great story, but I'm always like, I liked it when Darth Vader was just Darth Vader. <laughs> Uh, no, I I agree, and I think I, I never really like put it into thought like that. But that's why I'm always I'm like, please use him very sparingly. Like, please don't don't overdo it. Please, you know, keep it light. Um, but yeah, how about you, uh, Stardust M? Uh, I'm Emily or Stardust M. You can find me on TikTok at Stardust M, and then on Twitter and Instagram at underscore Stardust M. Uh, to keep, I guess, things relevant to this podcast, my Star Wars hill that I'm willing to die on is, uh, I, I don't know how to phrase it exactly. I guess that I think that the hallway scene at the end of Rogue One shouldn't have been added. <laughs> <laughs> so. I, I get in trouble for sharing a very similar opinion. Um, if it feels... It feels like in Inglorious Bastards when you're watching like the propaganda film and you're like, this is weird. <laughs> like it feels like Vader propaganda in the middle of a rebel movie. And, yeah. yeah. It's like all these people just died, but let's but let's have this cool scene of Vader killing a bunch more people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, that's that's a good point. Um let's see what, what we got there. Oh, <laughs> everyone's saying, uh, I was going to say, if Stardust M isn't on the panel for tonight, I expected Emily to be in this. <laughs> yeah. We have, I think that Luke and R2 is a better duo than Anakin and R2, personally. I, I agree, but I think that's probably because of my relationship with the expanded universe, because I've, I've read so much Luke and R2 over the years. Um, Jen Erso can solo the entire roster of Star Wars characters. That's so true. <laughs> the only one she's evenly matched with is Kira. <laughs> mm, yeah, yeah. I feel like the reason Anakin turned was not Sith or Jedi, but he lost hope to his expectations as a young child trying to change his origins and bring good, leaving him no choice in mind. I do like I do feel like he had all of what he thought were his choices being closed off until he could only see one way forward. So I can kind of I can kind of get that. Um, and we have the beach ending would have been so beautiful if it was just that and nothing else. That would be the most depressing ending ever. <laughs> if it it just fades to white and then the. <laughs> I like Leia's scene. I think the Leia scene. That's really cool. You keep that. So cool. <laughs> um, Kanan and Ezra are the truest representation of the Jedi in all of Star Wars. All right, I like that. Um, not sure. I'm I'm not there at that point yet, but I I do I do love them. Can't wait to see them come back. Hopefully, they are going to come back. Uh, but uh, yeah, all right. So, 
jumping into it, first and foremost, we we got we got news. We got lots of news. Um, so I want to I want to get quick hits around from everyone. Um, I'm going to change the order. So I will say a show that we got news on, um, and then everyone will just go around really quick and and give give your thoughts on, on what we got. Oh, and I had you have to share. Cal's my personal hill to die on is my hatred of Anakin. <laughs> he is the spoiled kid who ruined his own life. Obi-Wan experienced much of the same and didn't fall to darkness. I I wouldn't call him spoiled, but he definitely, you know, I've, I've kind of talked about how I feel like my own sister is Anakin, who is just immensely talented in everything effortlessly while I'm like grinding like a, like an idiot trying to get to like a decent level at stuff and then letting all of that go to, you know, their own darkness, you know, that, that is upsetting to me, but all right, we'll start with uh, the one we have the most information on right now. Obi-Wan. What do you think about any of the Obi-Wan details we got? I've been avoiding it. Personally, <laughs> I just want to watch the show at this point. <laughs> All right, any uh, other thoughts? I, I've been most focused on like Hayden's happiness whenever he's doing like the interviews and stuff. Like, I'm I'm so happy that he's happy to be back. Yeah. How about you, Em? Um, I'm excited for Reva. I thought it was really cool those pictures of her uh, and Vader and. I think she's going to be uh, a cool a cool character. I'm excited because I haven't ever really had an Inquisitor that I'm like, this is that's the one for me. So. <laughs> same, same. She looks... And the way she always talks about the character in all the interviews of like, yeah, she doesn't care about anyone or anything. Like, she's just going to be tearing people up. And you're like, all right, that sounds badass. I, 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 yeah, I want to see that. Just let um, women be evil. <laughs> <laughs> we, we support women's wrongs here. Um... And then uh, also, I just I, I in that interview, it talked about how um, how they grappled with the thought of whether or not they should bring Vader back into the mix. Um, ultimately, I'm I'm happy that that Hayden is getting to come back and kind of flex his dark side once again. That makes me happy. All right, uh, any thoughts for Mando? I feel like Chase is just avoiding everything. <laughs> <laughs> Um, to an extent, yeah. I I am. I'll just say this: years ago, there was a video game I was very excited for, and I got overhyped for it, and it almost ruined the video game for me. So I have since then, like, not let hype get to me, and I'm just like, great, a new season of The Mandalorian. Okay. I am very aware that Baby Yoda is the biggest cash cow for Disney right now, so Baby Yoda is invincible. Uh, and that's where I know the show is going right now. That's about it. <laughs> uh, in the article, I brought up that that was actually a little bit of a fight between uh, between Favreau mm -hmm. and Filoni to make uh, make Baby Yoda happen. But and if uh, you know, uh, M David, you have any thoughts on it? I've mostly seen like all over my feed and all over i've just seen like the interviews with hayden and ewan i haven't seen a whole lot else on that yeah oh, i'm excited i like Mando. i'm excited yeah. for 
Mando is just so far away that it's like hard to like. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I'm I'm pretty confident. I'm just gonna like it anyway. Yeah, I'm excited to see more of Din on Mandalore. Hoping we see more Bo-Katan. All right, all right. Well, let's do because uh, I I want I want to dedicate some special time to Andor. So how about all of the rest of the announcements, <laughs> and then we'll do Andor after that. Um, so like we got we got a brief hit of the Ac- acolyte confirming it's going to be a hundred years before the Phantom Menace and kind of and explaining you know how the galaxy got specifically the Sith got into that position. Um, uh, the Ahsoka story I thought was really adorable about um, she gets the part and she gets in the costume and calls FaceTimes her friend whose son loves uh, Star Wars and he couldn't handle it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I love that. Any any thoughts for all, all for any of the announcements that came out besides uh, Andor? I'm excited for the uh, Patty Jenkins and Taika movies. I know they announced those a while back, but um... I'm excited to see uh, what Taika does with a Star Wars project because I feel like he has a really uh, unique style and I think that he could bring some really interesting characters and dynamics to the story. I don't know. I guess we don't have like any information on what it's set, but I'm, I'm excited for that. Uh, and yeah, Patty Jenks, I like what she did with Wonder Woman. So, and I think... Uh, X-Wing pilot story is is fun. And I like, I hope Wedge is in it. I like Wedge and Toys. I know uh, he was in the Legends Rogue Squadron. Yeah, I, we, we, we stand Wedge here. <laughs> yeah, I'm just excited that uh, Rogue Squadron is officially <clears throat> not canceled, so everyone in my comment section can shut up now. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, that, I think that was my favorite part is just seeing that all this stuff is still very much on, on the plate because, you know, we just, we just didn't, didn't know. Uh, David, any thoughts? I'm, ex- I, I am excited to see what Taika brings to Star Wars because I feel like that's right within his wheelhouse, and it's going to be something that's like funny but also a fun ride type of film or, yeah. Yeah, my my pitch is that Taggett needs to do a heist movie, and Honda Onaka needs to be involved in the oh. heist, and they will be breaking into Maz's castle. And I want to have I want Maz to have some like secret hidden vault under the castle. They're trying to figure out how to do it, and they're and they're just bringing in all these all these different people that you know we some we know some we don't. And yeah, Ocean's Eleven, only. The uh, hotel is Maz's uh, castle. I feel like there, if there's one director who could bring Afra into live action really well, it would be Taiga. Yes, that's pure chaos. That would there'd be so much chaos. I love yeah. it. Ah, and that could introduce us to the um, to the Codebreaker if if we did something like that. Yeah, yeah, that'd be interesting. All right, last but not least. Andor. This is a Rogue One panel, so I, I know you guys might might have some thoughts on on news. The first news we've ever gotten for for Andor. What would you guys think, uh, David? Well, um, 
I'm excited for any news of Andor. I'm I'm happy it's still going. And I saw um with a couple things. I saw Diego Luna talking about like how when he first got into Star Wars, he had to like talk in code words in the car. And I my favorite picture I think from there is seeing Mon Mothma, like not in the traditional white and that hairdo, but she actually looks like badass in that frame. I thought that was cool. Yeah. Were you yeah. gonna say Chase? Yeah, I was gonna say like basically what they were kind of like hinting at what like the story of casting the Andor before Rogue One was exactly kind of what I was expecting it to be, which is a great thing. It's not like oh it's predictable, like like yes, this should be a like reluctant hero, like I don't know if I wanna do this or I'm gonna get thrown into this in a weird way. And I'm like, yes, this is exactly what I wanna see because Cassian's such a great character. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, your thoughts, Em? Yeah, I was happy um, initially because it was what I've been saying that I wanted for months, which is for this story to continue the foil between Cassian and Jin. You know, the description of Rebel Averse, uh, I think they say like nihilistic, kind of a mess, is all feels, it all felt like a, very, a description of Jin at the beginning of Rogue One. And I like a lot what that does for their characters. Why? that means that Cassian can have complicated feelings towards Jin because she is what he was and that like you know is not maybe the reflection that he wants to see I was interested in learning that it's going to start with the destruction of his home world um which I think that's really interesting and I thought that that also then added good motivation for him in Rogue One because now him trying to destroy a planet killer is a lot you know, of a personal home. thing. It was personal like it was for Jin and Cheered and Baze and Bodhi. Um and I love that. And yeah, and I'm like I'm excited that they said Mon Mothma was her story was basically gonna run parallel to his. Um once again I like that because I like the dynamic that uh Mon Mothma and Cassian can have a dynamic or a relationship that is similar to Jin and Saw. And this, like, kind of, oh, when yeah. you are a rebel leader and you're trying to help this, like, younger person, you know, how do you handle them? Clearly, Mon Mothma, if their relationship is close, did a better job than Saw did. Um, so I like that. Um, I'm excited. Yeah, I'm just, I'm excited to see what they do. Um, also, Diego saying it was a migrant story. I felt like that was really great and, like, the perfect way to tie, like, current politics to star wars and um also works really well for i think as a companion story to to rebels when we're talking about people who have lost their home worlds to the empire you know that brings us back to like zeb and lothal um and i think that's mm -hmm. also an important part of the show to kind of tie that specific part of like star wars together um with a kind of overarching theme Sorry, I talked a lot. No, no, I, I appreciate it. I appreciate it. Um, well, I hit some, some background music really quick. That was louder than I thought it was going to be. Um, no, I, I absolutely, I mean, I, I agree with everything you guys said. Uh, I love that specifically we're going to get Mod Mothma's story running parallel because we don't know much about her, but hopefully this can bring in some of the stuff that we missed out on from Padme in the past. You know, we have some of that with the beginning stages of running this rebellion. 
And also, I love the the book, you know, Rebel Rising by uh, Beth Revis. But I, but I would love to see the exact opposite. You know, I assume that Mon Mothma is probably a, has a little bit of a gentler touch uh, <laughs> raising someone than, yeah, uh, you know. But also having uh, getting context to. I've been in this fight since I was six years old uh, is, is really cool. And seeing him kind of get pushed into the corner until we have to fight back is, is awesome. You know, I, I'm looking forward to that. Oh, and uh, DePaul's in the house. Thank you so much for the, uh, for the $5 ramen drop. We really appreciate it. We will be having that ramen very soon. All right. And I'm excited. Mostly because Chris has never had ramen in any form in his entire life for wild what? not even instant yeah <laughs> I, I i just joke around that that means that he was never poor um <laughs> but all right let's jump into the movie itself um i i i love hearing people's people's thoughts the things that jump out at them um, my first time watching it, there was a lot of stuff that I missed, a lot of the, the subtle nuances, and going back into it and just seeing what you guys all saw and appreciated like really means the world to me. So, um, yeah, I want to start with the the first act. And this is also interesting dividing this up into three acts because the first two acts are the first half of the movie. <laughs> <laughs> but all right, so we kind of have the opening. All the way until um, the destruction of, of Jeddah, where they leave Saw behind. Um, yeah, what 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 really jumps out at you uh, guys about uh, about this beginning portion? Um, I think there's there's a lot to unpack in the beginning of this movie. Um, I think the way they introduce all of these characters from Jin, Galen, Cassian, Bodhi, K two, uh, Chirrut, and Bays like all of it they're all introduced in such interesting and cool ways i think we see some we like jump locations very quickly but we all see these really amazing locations and the fact that opening is like not a ship it looks like a really pixelated ship but it's actually the rings of a planet and seeing like the rings cast on the shadow of the planet and then the rings of uh Kafrain, uh yeah. like just just the city in an asteroid is like stuff we've never seen in Star Wars, but makes total sense in Star Wars. And just like, it's a, it's a very fast paced, but very filled uh, first act. I, I love it. There's there's a lot to talk about. <laughs> no, I mean, you can you can, you can keep going. Uh, you can bring out more than, more than one point or, or we can always uh, come back. Um, but uh, I mean, for me seeing Cassian like take out that very first guy. Yeah. It's like, Holy crap! What were you gonna say, uh, David? That no, I was just gonna add to that. That was a hell of an introduction for Cassian, because you kind of see, okay, he's a rebel. Oh, he just killed a guy. <laughs> um, so it kind of paints the rebels as not like, not like the the clear cut good guys in this scenario. And then in the beginning, when Krennic is introduced, I think. I'm not sure when he solidified as like one of my favorite bad guys, but like that line in the beginning when he sees um, Lyra running back, he goes, "Oh look, Lyra's back from the dead! It's a miracle!" <laughs> it's like I want to see Ben Mendelsohn in every single thing he does from now on. 
<laughs> he was just such a such a dick. <laughs> you know, like, he's my Krennic is my favorite villain in Star Wars because I hate him so much. <laughs> he's the worst. I saw someone being like, Krennic deserved like better, and I was like, Look, I love Krennic as a villain. That man got exactly what was coming to him. <laughs> exactly what he got was what he deserved. Oh man, I, I especially yeah. Especially that the little bits of him that you see in, um, well, in the uh, third Thrawn book and in, in Treason, he just he, he just makes he's so aggravating of a human, and you're like, he's the guy who's climbing the corporate ladder no matter what, mm-hmm. it, and he doesn't truly know what he's doing, but he's gonna get there. Like he is represents the incompetence of the Empire while still being effective as a as a manager you know what i mean like he can't do it but he can he can manage or torture people until they do it i don't know (laughs) he's like like the embodiment of middle management in a corporation uh and it's just it's so frustrating to watch like god he's awful i love him (laughs) he's the worst (laughs) uh when we get introduced to the gin i i say this all the time because um, you know, going into it, I knew her name was Jen or so, and they, they call her Leanna Halleck. But when the movie starts, you don't know that. And so a guy just walked, he's like, Leanna Halleck, Leanna Halleck. And I was like, what the hell is he saying? Is that, <laughs> is that Shrewook? Like, what, what does he want? <laughs> so every now and then I just yell Leanna Halleck, um, cause it, it just, it tickles me. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> um, how about uh, how about any other other parts or or uh, M? What what jumped out of you in the beginning? I mean, yeah, like you're saying, I think Cassian's intro is always one that really uh, jumps out at me. I think especially because like I I think he's basically the only hero where he kills someone basically unprovoked. I think it's like him and Han are the two at least in the movies that i can think of that like basically kill anyone unprovoked um and are like assumed to be the bad guy like when callus like just throws that stormtrooper off the wall (laughs) um and then but i think it's it's so i think it's interesting and i always really love that and then Jin's intro always really gets to me now um from everything from with her mother to saw picking her up um i think the furthest i've gotten into this movie before i started crying was saw saying come child we have a long ride ahead of us um yeah <laughs> but it just it, you just think of everything from rebel rising um i always like the really small details that this movie puts in especially to Jin's character um in the first scene of the film, she's wearing a braid, and Lyra is also wearing a braid, but then for the rest of the film, uh, she's only seen wearing a bun, and in Rebel Rising, she's also only describes her hair as being in a bun, um, and it's sad when you realize that Lyra did it for her, and then she never learned, and no one ever taught her, um, and so she just kind of had to, like, let that piece of herself go, or, like, you know, her st- dropping Stormy, her Stormtrooper doll, like, it's these pieces of her having to like let go of her childhood before she's ready and before she expected um, to. Uh, another part that I really love that 
uh, is Bodhi and Saw's first meeting. I feel like that's yeah. such an underrated part. Uh, both Forrest Whitaker and Riz Ahmed do a fantastic job playing those two <laughs> characters. And, you know, lies, deception. <laughs> Every <laughs> and day, lies. Bumbling, like, oh my god, please, I'm so scared, I'm just trying to help. <laughs> like, really well, it plays off of, like, Forrest just, like, dead. I, I <laughs> am too old for this shit. <laughs> Well, Saw. I mean, Saw specifically to me, when you see him and see how much he's changed since like the Clone Wars, and he is more machine than men now. Like you see him becoming the thing that he's fighting, and it's you know when he breathes from the little thing, and you're like, ah, those are those are just really cool, really cool details. I like how Libra One brings out the. Are you here to kill me? Yeah. Um, I maintain I could have done without Borg Gullet. <laughs> That's yes, but I that, will. Yeah, go ahead, David. No, I was gonna say that line when he said, "Like it always hits me when he says there's not much of me left." I'm like, "Ooh, true," but that could also like he, he could mean physical and mental. You know, there's a lot, and I I also agree about Bor Borgullet. I don't like Borgullet at all. I, I I maintain that's why he talks like that. He spent too much time with Borgullet. <laughs> okay, here's okay. Borgullet defense crew here. Uh, <laughs> I'll I'll say I'll say I'll say two things. Uh, Borgullet uh, is like the expanded universe brought to life, like literally. True. Borgullet is like everyone who's like, oh, they 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 decanonize the expanded universe, blah blah blah. Like, no, look at the Borgullet. Like that is <laughs> that is literally something out of one of those '90s Star Wars comics. Like that's what that is. And also, the Partisans did nothing wrong ever, not once. I I am a Sagarani defender, so <laughs> <laughs> not once had Saw or the Partisans done a whoopsie. Everything was right, <laughs> and they're perfect. Yeah. I'll, I'll Run right into that party with flechettes was uh, troublesome. Borgullet uh, is amazing. That's my that's my one with Saw, but <laughs> I think Borgullet. I mean, it could be. I've always interpreted it as like a manifestation, kind of, of Saw's paranoia and distrust. That even as Bodhi is trying to help him, and given the kind of character we see Bodhi as. But I, there's no reason to distrust him. There's no reason why Saw can't just listen to the message. But he's so paranoid yeah. and distrusting at this point because of so many years of of fighting that he has to use this weird monster creature <laughs> to like torture people and break their minds so he knows that they're not lying to him. Yeah, I, and also I I, I agree with that uh, with comic binge keep Star Wars weird. Uh, I don't. Maybe, maybe I just I've watched too much anime. <laughs> I mean, there's like Star Wars weird, like in Solo when they have half heads, and then there's Borgullet. I mean, there's kind of a weird separation there. But I, I actually Borgullet was okay until he says one tends to lose one mind, and then Bodhi's kind of okay afterwards. It's like I don't know. You know, I, when I so I literally watched this an hour ago. Uh, Again, 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 again. Um, he okay. 
he is different from from when he's introduced to this like i'm here to see soccer rare i'm now i'm gonna do this he's 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 quick paced he's on he's very his cadence is very fast and then after boar gullet everything with bodie does slow down uh, I yeah. think there is, a, like at least as far as acting go, there is a shift pre and post board gullet. So I will give the character that. It is not like this, like oh he's just totally crazy now. But yeah, he I I noticed that because that always bothered me too. But I did notice watching it again. I was like, he, he's changed. He and it's not like a drastic change, but he's definitely changing the way he talks, the way he moves, the way he communicates. Yeah, and in the cell, he's so like despondent at first to Cassian like he's not processing what he's saying Cassian's having to like repeat himself like are you the pilot I'm the, I'm the pilot and it's like that's like the moment where he comes back so I think it was like I mean you could just take that as Bodhi is strong-willed that he was strong enough willed to leave the empire to come and do this he was strong-willed enough yeah. to survive for gullet which was supposedly supposed to break his mind Galen chosen for a reason, so yeah, yeah, I like that. Okay, and, and more more Bodhi love. We just we need more Bodhi love, just in in general. You know, he's a, he's a solid dude. Um, all right, so we have the destruction of Jeddah. We see the first test of the uh, the Death Star, um, single reactor, and damn, it was it was just a, a really cool scene. I do always feel weird that they kind of left Saw there. Like I felt like he could have made it, but 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 I think he was also like, "I'm done. <laughs> just, <I> have... <laughs> just let me die." <laughs> the fact that Saw's final act is to save Jin, his daughter, uh, breaks my heart. Um, how he thinks in the novelization that he's like she's kind of the last of his family, and like. It's it's I think it's a representation of their like complicated relationship. Like yes, he's saving Jin because she now is the only person that has the message. She is the only one who can destroy the Death Star, who can finish out what his life's work has been about. But also like that's his his kid. He doesn't want his kid to die with him on on Jeddah. He wants her. He doesn't want her to be like a martyr. Like I mean, I guess like he was in like. Stila kind of was um that scene and the fact that Jin asked him she wants him to come with him even after all those years of being so angry with him and you know also like the fact that like she just doesn't really get time to process that she doesn't she certainly didn't say everything she wanted to say to him mm -hmm. um she just kind of has to like and she just doesn't have time she just has to leave you know the one person who was her family and yeah. yeah. It always gets me when he just like he throws his uh breather down and just kind of like stands. Why? Yeah. <laughs> I I also really I see like a parallel with this scene and the end of Return of the Jedi of what does he do if he goes back? You know, if he goes mm -hmm. back to the alliance. He's not one of them. They will never accept him. You know, they view that his his actions can't be redeemed. That's why he's not a part of them anymore. And I think it's funny because they do go to those extremes in the next movie. Um, and it's just one of the things of it's like, you know, we have Luke saying to Vader, you know, it's like, come back, you know, you come back. It's like, what, what are you going to do? You're going to bring me Darth Vader back to the rebel Alliance, back to the new Republic. 
what do you think is going to happen? Uh, and then Saul has the same thing as like, you want me to go back to the, the rebel alliance. What do you think they will do to me? If let me do anything at all. He's like, my, my people are here. I am here. Why well, I'm not leaving. So I, I do love him staying. Yeah. I agree with that. Like I think about uh, like, like the sequels, if Ray brought, brought Kylo Ren back mm-hmm. and then, and what the reaction on like Poe's face would be like, <laughs> Hey guys, we brought my boyfriend back. (laughs) (laughs) Didn't he kill like a lot of us? I remember him tearing apart my brain. Um, (laughs) Can can I veto this? I don't know. Um, (laughs) All right, we jump into the the, the second act. Uh, So so we now have the the crew together. um, And we we get the message. We get them to go on the mission to, to find Galen. Um, and you know, she still very much has a problem with her dad because he, I mean, basically everyone has abandoned Jen, um, at this point, even, I even feel bad about how Lyra was like, you know, I'm just gonna, but knowing Krennic, I would like, listen, I'm going to shoot him. I'm probably going to die, but it's worth it. You know, like that's a trade, uh, <laughs> but, um, yeah, second act. What what do you guys what do you guys like? What I would I I would say maybe it is the bridge between the first and second act, but I think the message is so important to this movie. Uh, Galen's message to to Jin and the hologram with Saw, and there's a lot to unpack in that message alone. But I I think I will just say Felicity Jones's performance in that scene is like the greatest acting Star Wars has ever seen. Uh, I think just her facial expressions and just her watching that hologram is just like, I don't know if they had Matt Mickelson there in the room when that was done, but man, it gets to me every time when, when that message is played and just watching, watching Jin just like collapse after it, it, it falls. Yeah. Love that's that. always really, I've seen some people almost like criticize Jin for, they're like, Oh, well she just like, doesn't, she doesn't like respond or like she doesn't show emotion like that felicity isn't acting but i'm like no that's intentional like the it's the intentional choice that Jin is trying to appear uncaring she's trying to appear like nothing is affecting her because so much of her life has and so she just has gotten used to bearing her emotions and that message with her father the conversation with saw is like that flip where like we see the I think she in the novelization describes it as like basically like a hatch in her mind and it's now been broken open and just every feeling that she's ever had towards her father and saw is like coming back and coming in that message um yeah and her acting in that scene is is so so fantastic and just yeah the slow build of like tears in her eyes and I mean, if you think about it, she hasn't had to be herself in years, you know, hasn't had to unpack any of that stuff. And then all of it just shakes loose. I know. Yeah. Just came I mean, bursting out. Jin's introduction, our, our introduction to Jin as an adult is she's being rescued by the rebellion. Leanna Alex! She, just, <laughs> just like, she gets her hands freed and her first thing is like, I'm going to kick this dude into the wall and run. <laughs> Like that's who she is now, uh, and so just like yeah, 
you're right. I haven't read the novelization, but that's exactly right. Is this for for Jin? And it's like mm-hmm. it's it's this movie. So it's one of my favorite movies, but it's so hard to watch sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> I was especially because you can start you can like see her becoming more invested and more impassioned, all leading up to like I think her fight with Cassian and then the speech to the alliance where you know she's talking to Bodhi and Bodhi saying how you know her father sent him and he wanted to get his heart right and she's becoming more you know impassioned and telling Cassian like we need to tell them about this message um and all of that like you can see her kind of returning to her uh her rebellion roots her strategy Uh, what do you guys think of um, I mean now now the line is escaping me I was trying to figure it out but what Chariot says you know the darkness surrounds someone with the intent to kill or something like that something similar yeah Yeah. everything he doesn't he's a friend man that that line gave me chills I mean he uh, Jared is my favorite character in, in the film. I, I think and he just everything Jared says is golden. Mm-hmm. There, there's not one thing he says in this movie that I think is a throwaway line or mm-hmm. doesn't have some some impact. And even when he's being goofy, it's just like he's perfect. <laughs> and... yeah, like, like I don't need luck. I have you. Oh, there we just under we understand like the couple of lines to your debate that we understand their entire dynamic. Yeah. <laughs> Are you kidding me? I'm blind. Blind. <laughs> you almost <laughs> shot me. I saved you. <laughs> well, that's the line. The force moves darkly around those who are about to kill. Jeez. And interesting. I think a way to incorporate the force in this movie too, to not have a Jedi, but someone who kind of believes in the force in a different way and even seems to use it in a different way than the Jedi. And I just think that's, that's so cool. Yeah. We'll get to it in the third act, but there is a line that Chirrut says about Bayes when he says, you know, Bayes used to be one of the most devoted guardians of all time. And it, I'd never tied it together with the end of the movie and when you tie it together it is like the waterworks come 10 times harder well i i always think it's so interesting because basically like in a way like jared and bays are a a mirror to jen and cassian and like you have one person who used to be super devoted to a cause who used to be very invested, but because of what the Empire has taken from them and continues to take from them, they've lost their hope. And then you have one who is a firm believer who continues to fight and continues to persevere despite all that has been taken from them and continues to be taken from them. And Cheered and Bays are this kind of perfect representation of trust and trust going both ways, while Jin and Cassian, at least like they're keeping secrets from each other at first they have to build to that sort of perfect trust yeah um and so what do you guys think of the scene where galen actually actually passes away 
man, it's tough um, because it's it's tough. I think in just the context of the movie, but I think after reading Catalyst, um, that scene is a lot harder because you do have a stronger connection to Galen mm-hmm. when you read Catalyst, um, and it's one of those. And I think the last line, or the last thing that Galen says is, "I have so much to tell you." Uh, to Jen, and then he just falls limp. And I think this is another example of like Jen is such an emotionally complex character because she's this she's this character that again when we see her she's kicking people, she's running, she's shooting people precisely, she's beating the crap out of stormtroopers left and right, and she can and and Cassian literally has to pry her off of her father because she can't deal with it, and it's just like. She's such an she's such an amazing character. It's so complex, and she's. I'll touch on it a little bit more later, but like the the main crew of of, of Rogue One is, is so interesting to me, and I and I think that they feel so real in a way, mm-hmm. and I think Jen feels like a real person, not a Star Wars character. I think part of that, like feeling real, especially with Jen, and I would also say Cassian, is because they're so clearly given flaws. Like this, you know, we know that it's, we know that it's wrong for Jin to say she doesn't want to be in, involved in the rebellion when she has all this skills and knowledge that she could be using to help. We know that it's wrong that Cassian is going along with trying to kill Galen and that he, you know, you know, that he's flawed and he's willing to do bad things for the rebellion. I think that gives them a humanness that, yeah, is sometimes missing when you have like as much as I love these characters, but like Leia, who's like this like pristine, almost like representation of like hope and and, and love or like Padme, who's like this very like perfect queen um, that then, you know, these characters feel a little bit more like dirty. <laughs> <laughs> a little more attainable. Yeah. Know, like, I, I can't, I can't be Padme, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So. Um. Okay. Uh, I I have to say though, like, just the movie making process, the set design, the locations, um, that that we got to to visit during this, were so beautiful. Like this this movie does jump around locations a lot, but each one feels hyper designed, you know. Mm-hmm. And that's that's one of the other things I do appreciate because that does keep you sucked in and invested in in the film that's just from a filmmaking standpoint that's one of the things i also really enjoyed Mm -hmm. um but yeah let's uh let's move forward to the final act there was a lot of stuff to to unpack here um and including uh middle manager critic uh going to see uh, his boss and being like hey man he's trying to like take my toys or whatever Can you stop him <laughs> like the middle manager skips his manager and like talks to the <laughs> tries to talk to like the uh you know one of the directors of the company that's what it feels like and they're like listen man i'm too busy for this stuff like this is why are you here I uh, what, love "Don't choke on your aspirations" line. Yes, it's yes. great. It's so good. I know, like, kind of what I said at the very beginning about Anakin and Darth Vader. That is Anakin Skywalker talking. That is not Darth Vader. That is Anakin Skywalker, and I do love it because it's like that. 
straight out of uh, the prequels and the Clone Wars, right there. If you need any proof that Anakin and Vader are the same person, it's that line. That's the line. <laughs> you know he was grinning underneath the mask. Like <laughs> he doesn't ever smile. That's the only time he's ever smiled under the mask. Was that line? He's like, <laughs> <"It's so funny." laughs> that's good. Uh, but yeah, what else jumps out at you guys for for this this ending of the movie? Because the ending is just epic. Before I mean, before we get to the Battle of Scarif, I mean, I think the 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 meeting room on Yavin, and you know, seeing you know characters that you know we've seen from the prequels where we see in the original trilogy, um, seeing oh I can't the guy with the white beard who is the same actor from A New Hope, um, you know, just and 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 it's this this feud within the alliance and then i think these little nuanced expressions you get from bale and mon mothma of it's just like they know what they have to do they know Jin is right and they know casting is right but it's just like they're like it's the republic all over again we will not win this way and like this the scene of Jin going out and um getting ready to you know figure out how they can get to scarif and then cassian coming with the you know the band of of rebels uh and they're just like it's not a lot and we'll probably overstuff the shuttle but we're gonna do this and it's just like it's 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 very much like this is a rebellion and it's like everything else feels like it's been a military or it's just a new form of the republic and this is like yeah this is the rebellion this is what we're used to yeah, it's like in that in that scene when they're talking, it's like the Senate all over again because they can't all come to a decision, so they can't like they, they can't go through with what they want to do. But then Jin rebels, and she's like the blueprint for the rebellion going forward because then Leia takes that over from the from there to the original trilogy. Yeah, and then so does Chaz Nachatic, um, but well. <laughs> Posing, that's funny. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I I love that as well, though, because yeah, she she rebels as a rebel, but that's exactly what they need because you know what evil needs is for good people to just stand by and and do nothing, and even as well intentioned, you know, uh, it's almost also I, I take it as a personal lesson because I have analysis paralysis for a lot of things. Where I'm like, no, it's not, I'm not ready. This now is not the perfect time for me to do all this stuff. And you're like, that this was the perfect time, you know. And you just you gotta you gotta go. And uh, seeing someone like Jin go from being so despondent and hopeless and not believing in any cause, saying, "What choice do we have?" <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that was pretty powerful. And I think it's the story is so well structured because this she would have never done this if she wouldn't have grown up with Saw Gerrera. Like this mm-hmm. is something he would do. This is something you know. This is what he taught her to do. Is it's like it doesn't matter if you know you're on the right right side or not. You know, it, the right side isn't always going to be the best side. And if you want to go through with it, like you got to do what's right. And and like it's just yeah, it's like it's that whole. 
extremist rebellion coming through in her and it's it sets the stage for everything moving forward and like she is i mean we brought it up before like she is the rebel she is everything the rebellion stands for is her i've always thought that like in kind of that last action is everything that is the best parts of all of her parents so she is the exact like rebel leader that saw raised her to be that he wanted her to be um she is standing up despite the cost despite the fact that she knows that like it probably will not end for her well for her just like lyra did in her last moments like even this when she like straightens up when she's facing off against credits it's very reminiscent of lyra when she takes mm -hmm. out the gun she just faces him straight on um and of course she's completing her her father's revenge what he worked to try to do his whole, or at least when he was taken back from the Empire. Um, and I, I think that's really beautiful. And like, yeah, like, we're, this isn't like, Jin is not possible without, you know, Yasa, without seeing what her mother did without her father. Um, and I, I love that. And I especially love that because I think in, you know, a story like Star Wars where it's so focused on on family and, you know, found family and just like family in general and even, you know, bloodlines and what that means, having Jin be the best of her blood is something that I think is really great and adds to that theme of why family is so central. Yeah. And all of Star Wars. I, I have a question for you guys. Do you think that this movie is also about um the force trying to reach equilibrium working through people i mean i think about one thing that george lucas said early on that people have a destiny but they can choose whether or not to to follow it um and everything in this film had to have happened perfectly to the hour <laughs> um for any of it to work you know what i mean like and that, that actually used to be one of my problems with the film because i felt like a lot of things was like okay in order for this to work we have to pull that random lever on the beach over there and you're like why why is it there and then like and i felt like there's a lot of like all right now that lever that's precariously like hanging over you know but um I, I think in that, and, and yeah, I, I think you're not wrong in that, but I think that is, I would say classic Star Wars, but it, it's just fiction in general of it. Just like, it's like, yeah, I, I always joke of it's like, if you watch any fiction movie that has any sequence where there's any type of action and it doesn't have to be a gunfight or a fist fight, just like stuff moving forward intensely is it's like, no one ever trips, you know, no one ever like, you know, you know you always land the perfect jump you know or to to you know to break into the bank vault right you have to have this perfect machine that you somehow stored in this perfectly sized suv that drove it to the bank and no one detected that there was a blinking drill or whatever going on that's fiction in general it's you know it's always got to be that way but i think you're right i mean in the in the universe of star wars like and I think having Chirrut and Baze there helps a lot. Uh, yes, like the force is guiding everything. And if we take what Chirrut said, it's like, you know, the force moves darkly around someone who's about to kill. Like 
I know it's a big metal ball, but imagine what the force must be doing around the Death Star. Um, yeah. um, and it's just one of those things. Or, or how is the force move? How does the force move around someone like Tarkin or Krennic? Uh, how does the force move around Hux? You know, when he's getting ready to fire Starkiller Base. Yeah. Well, even I think it's in the comic. Chirrut said that Jin is is light. Like he's following Jin because Jin is light. So if it's moving forcefully, that is like the the force is quite literally guiding Chirrut to follow uh, Jin. And like I think, I think there's a reason that Jin has a Kyber crystal necklace that says trust in the force. I think there's a reason why she was, uh, Lyra was such was then created to be such a big believer in the force and in trusting in it that like yeah this is like the force is guiding Jin to be where she needs to be um and to do what she needs to do and i feel like and, and they did very very specifically show when they were pinned down mm -hmm. a guy like peeked out in an inch you know it's kind of like me playing apex legends you know i, I like look a corner and get a kraber in the face um <laughs> And that guy gets taken down, but then Chariot is 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 able to, you know, at least the force is, is protecting for a, yeah. for a brief moment. That that scene and when Jin is clutching onto the Kyber crystal are like the two scenes that stick out to me when you say about the the force influencing in that movie. Like those are the two, I think. Yeah. Uh, Do you think there was a separate, a lot more force uh, centric? plot that was changed in the film i had heard that lyra was originally written to be a former jedi but that's yeah, the extent of it which i think i i don't know about the behind the scenes but i feel like with rogue one and solo i feel that like it was trying to very purposefully move away from that of you know having yes you have this you have Chirrut who believes in the force and moves with the force but is not a Jedi like very and it, and it is very much stated he is not a Jedi basis he's just a dreamer he's no Jedi um, and in Solo even less like you get the ignition of Maul's lightsaber that is it and I think that was done purposefully and I think it sets it up perfectly kind of like even in the Mandalorian is moving away from that yes you get grogu but that story is very much about someone who has no connect almost no connection to the force but the force is always guiding someone like din someone like Jin, someone like han solo and someone like cassian yeah yeah i like that and i always like that there are except for like chirrut who i think like i think might be force sensitive that like the story is so focused on at least non force sensitive Jedi characters. Cause, and the same, I think with solo, um, cause I really like this focus of like, it's not just the Luke Skywalkers or the Canis or the Kanan Jarruses or the Ezra's who get to be the heroes who get to help and save mm -hmm. the rebellion. It's the regular people. It's, you know, some Cassian's just what's Cassian's some guy. <laughs> like that's like it's not he's he's a captain in the rebellion he's some guy Jin Urso like I mean yeah she has connections to like I mean you know Saw and Galen but like she's just some 
it's just, just some girl. It's just some kid. Yeah. Bodhi's just some cargo pilot that was brave enough to stand up. So I think it's all just like, you know, regular. He wasn't good enough to be a fighter pilot. Yeah. <laughs> like he didn't get, he didn't want to, like he couldn't do the test to even be a type fighter. So like this idea that like it is really about just like regular people can do stuff. You don't have to be some major player you don't you don't have to be super even skilled or or you know smart to to stand up and do what is right and and do what is necessary and that's kind of like what i touched on earlier that like i'd love to like bring up now is um the crew the u-wing crew right the people who are on the u-wing going um going on this little adventure the way they dress the way they talk to each other and the and the positions they have are so like boring in a way and it's like you said like Bodhi is a cargo pilot every time we hear about a pilot it's a Poe Dameron a Wedge Antilles it's a Soren Keys and Eric well they're these fantastic X-Wing and TIE fighter pilots Bodhi is a cargo pilot he brings shipments from one station to the other that's his job his uniform is so uninteresting you can barely tell it's an imperial uniform it's not the cool black tie fighter pilot it's not an imperial officer uniform and they're surrounded by these people that talk differently than they do like the argument in the u-wing when jen is jen like you know kind of confronts cassian about like you you went up there to kill my father like that feels like a real argument and it's like they look like they're ready to go to blows over this and everyone's just like really awkwardly pushing themselves up against the wall. Like even Baze is like, I'm going to put myself on the cargo <laughs> ramp a little bit further now. Um, whereas, you know, you have just like, even just the cadence and grammar of someone like Mon Mothma talking, it's different from them. And it's, it's always like the whole, the little people are the pieces that move everything around you know it's like of you know luke skywalker all he did was shoot a torpedo in the exhaust hole that's all he really did at the end of the day he wouldn't have done that if it wasn't for Jin and galen and cassian and i love that we get this whole thing there and it, it just shows how different they are and how normal they are and how they accomplish so much when you're talking about outfits too that's one thing that i always found so interesting is that every other female character at least in the um in the movies has a very distinct look from their male counterpart. It's Leia in this, in this pristine white dress. It's Padme and all her elaborate hair and makeup and dresses. It's even Ray who's so distinct from like Finn and Poe in this like kind of linen and, and roby looking material versus like a leather jacket. Jin and Cassian are wearing almost the same outfit mm -hmm. in just different colors. It's this standard rebel look and her hair is in a low bun with bangs that she, clearly had to cut herself it's not like this elaborate braids or hairstyles like the other like girls have it's really one i think it's meant to be almost a physical manifestation of her more masculine traits and her being one of the more masculine um female leads that we have in the movies but also yeah really showing like she's just some regular person she's you know they she just is like trying to look normal fit and be just some girl 
she's not trying to be this the leader of the rebellion she's not trying to be the queen of naboo she's not trying to be the the jedi that is going to bring balance to the force again yeah even yeah. even when they're on jedda they're like oh yeah we need to blend in like they don't really change no they like and it's like they're they're all dressed like i think Baze and Chirrut are the exception of like their costumes and their appearance stand out. Like obviously Chirrut is wearing a, a flowing robe with these this, like tri belt harness thing, and Baze has a giant can of energy bullets. <laughs> <on his back. laughs> uh, so he stands out a little bit compared to everyone else. But every like ever, it's like if Jin or Cassian were to have, you could probably point them out of like, oh yeah, they were walking, you know, on Tatooine somewhere, and that would be like, oh yeah, no, that that makes sense. You know, but yeah, and I think that's so interesting how they they kind of dressed the characters in this yeah. movie. That's, I mean, yeah, that's a big part of it as well. Um, real quick, I want to shout out Pod One's podcast to give a, a super chat. I appreciate it. I can't wait to see all these great people at Celebration. That's crazy. We're all, we're gonna yeah, we're gonna see each other in a week. Yeah, one yeah. Week. <laughs> that's wild, man. I, I I can't wait. It's just gonna be yeah. it's gonna be a ton of fun. Um, okay, so uh, I mean, continue. We 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 have the the, the battle scare. If I just want to make sure you know we're not we're not missing anything. We get um because like we haven't even talked about K two <laughs> at all. You know, um, we haven't. Uh, did you know that wasn't me? Like that's. <laughs> of course. Oh. <laughs> Cassian said I had to. <laughs> my my K2 earrings, you can't really see them. Oh, yes, uh, awesome. I um, think every every time I see like when when they introduce K2 when he like choke slams Jin, every time my first thought is like is her back okay cuz she looks like paralyzed for a second. You know what's interesting though is as we're talking about oh how um you know how all of the characters are made to look so normal it's so interesting because k2 is probably the droid that is meant to like he's the most different from like a star wars mm -hmm. droid he's he's taller than all the rest of them he has weirder proportions and he he's not colorful he's not a bright metallic he doesn't have like the fun oranges or blues or greens that chopper and uh, bb8 and r2 have um so i think that's really interesting how like in that way they tried to set like k2 apart from other star wars droids i mean he is like a, a reprogrammed imperial droid which is also really interesting because we don't see much of that i guess we have ap5 but even ap5 just looks like c3po but mm -hmm. like, mm -hmm. kind of gray um so i think that's interesting is like in the way that they tried to make all of the other characters look more normal they made k2 look more abnormal <laughs> I love K2. I think Alan Tudyk knocked it out of the park as K2. Um, and I'll say, we could definitely get into the Battle of Scarif, but one thing that I think is so sad uh, at the end of the movie, when, when we're losing all the characters, and I brought it up on the podcast that we did, is Cassian's reaction when he realizes that K2 was destroyed. Uh, that's his only friend. He has like been working with this crew and they're his team now and he appreciates and care and wants to keep them safe, of course. Uh, but K2 was his friend. And it's just like, it's so heartbreaking to watch Cassian like get on the comm and be like, K2, K2. Like, 
like you you have to respond like it's like he's like i don't have anyone and if i'm going to be stuck on this planet you know and die on this planet it has to be with you you can't go yet uh so it's he's just like you can see how sad he is you know when he's going through because we don't really see him be upset in this movie we get him you see him frustrated you see him stressed but you don't see him upset or sad and you do see him very very sad once he realizes k2 is gone in the novelization k2's last thought is imagining cassian surviving and that makes him happy um and i think that's just a very perfect representation of their relationship and friendship like they were really why are you yeah. trying to make me cry <laughs> they are like, movie. they are really all each other had like you know i think it's clear that cassian probably lost friends in the rebellion and now he has k2 and k2 is a weird imperial defector droid who it says whatever pops into his circuits and is that in that way makes I imagine it's kind of hard to like and maybe hard to work with but seems like Cassian appreciates it yeah that's I mean yeah I mean even in Jedi when K2 when like you know we get the oh did you know that wasn't me and then it's like Cassian's like why I told that I thought I told you to stay on the ship and k is like I got bored. <laughs> like more than I just got bored. He's like, I got bored, so I just wanted to come hang out with you some more. If Cassian comes back, if if they're not back when Cassian comes, we're leaving them. He <laughs> yeah. really does not care about anything, anybody but Cassian. <laughs> yeah, and he he spent the entire movie giving like giving probability percentages but then when Jin gives him the blaster he's like your 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 behavior is continuously unexpected it was like the biggest compliment he could give her mm -hmm. yeah <laughs> the chances are she's gonna shoot you with that thing <laughs> high it's very it's, high, it's very high. <laughs> um, I'll be there for you Cassian said I have <laughs> <laughs> Who, who's, uh, whose death was the saddest Jin and Cassian's <laughs> Well, Baze. Baze. Oh, Baze is up there. I was gonna say, Baze, and because when when you take into consideration that Chirrut says um, when they're all in the U wing, he says Baze was one of the most devoted guardians of the wills, and it almost if you don't remember that line when as soon as Baze says, "I'm one with the force, the force with me," I immediately start crying. Uh, no matter how many times I see this, but then when I like, I, I was like thinking like, oh yeah, here come the waterworks. And I was like, he always believed. He always, always believed in this. And it's just like it all, once he loses cheer, he's like, it's all going to come back. And this is it. It's like, this is all I have left. This is, yeah. this is where it's going to end. I will follow the force. I've always followed the force. I say I don't. And it's just like, oh, hate that part of the movie it's so when, rough when i kind of for cheer it cheer it come back come back to me come back don't go don't go i just it's so <laughs> all this time trying to follow cheer and trying to protect him and he just couldn't <laughs> all and it feels like all of the faith that he had in their order he he put into Chariot instead, and then without that, 
he was he had nothing you know yeah well i mean he like he they, they've taken everything from him they 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 took his home they took his faith and then they took his his the only person that he had in his life that was left so if he's gonna go down he's gonna go down fighting and fighting for what he believes or i guess what he believes in which i at that point is Jin. he believes that Jin can when so when they're getting yeah when they're getting off the shuttle and he says good luck little sister I think it's what I said earlier. I think what Bay sees in Jin is a lot of what he, he is himself is, you know, this bitterly angry person who has lost everything. But if she can believe and she can think that she can change and do this and succeed, then he is going to believe in her and he is going to follow her and he's going to fight for her, not for the rebellion, but for Jin. I, I, I feel like Rogue One walked so that Fallen Star could run. Um, <laughs> this, is, this is the first time they put us through the ringer like this. And I feel like they're like, well, we know we can. So uh, shall we? Uh, so in the end, we have Krennic popping back up um, to handle business uh, personally. Uh, and he's he's like, I don't even know who you are. <laughs> That's just, my my favorite part is is because it just reminds me of uh, what was it? Uh, now big meme from from Batman Beyond where he's like, you killed my father. Do you have any idea how little that? <laughs> um, but yeah. Krennic, Krennic shows up. How, how do you guys feel about their last showdown um, and you know, the rest of the film? Uh, I love the showdown. I love I love Jin standing up to Krennic of like, like at the end of the day, especially reading Catalyst, Krennic took literally everything from her. It's not so much the Empire that took it away. It was Krennic. Mm-hmm. Krennic took everything from Jin. Um, you know, yeah, she, she watched her mother get gunned down by Krennic's troopers, you know, he stole her father. And because of that, she had to go live with this extreme rebel cell and become part of this dude's like soldier gang. And it's all because of Krennic. It wasn't because she doesn't know who Moff Tarkin is. She doesn't know who Darth Vader or the Emperor is. Even Krennic kills Saw basically because... It's, it's, it's his Death Star. It's his project that mm-hmm. blows up Jedi that kills off. Yeah. And so, like, she's like, she's like, I, she, she loses her gun, which sucks, you know. <laughs> uh, when the, uh, let's just give a shout out to the, the TIE Striker, the TIE Reaper, uh, mm-hmm. the U Wing, and all the X Wings going around, and she gets shot at by a TIE Striker. And I was like, oh, yeah, this is great. Uh, but yeah, it's like she doesn't have a gun. What is she gonna do? And what Cassie and uh, you know we think you know we don't see Cassie and fall down a hole. But as we know, there's no fall damage in Star Wars, uh, so he's fine. Uh, Falling is negative fall damage. You could be cut in half. You fall, and that like I think the fall makes you get better. If he didn't fall, <laughs> Maul would have died. Oh yeah, when he fell, the le- the metal legs came on Naboo. Like. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, also, I okay, so after Krennic gets taken down, 
and basically the mission's complete. Jin's like, let me kick his body. Let me kick it. <laughs> <laughs> I ain't done. I ain't like, done. I want to. I want to. I want to poop on him. Like that's <laughs> all it is. <laughs> uh, let's see here. Ben Skywalker, the house of the can't lie. Ten out of ten. Pre villain death monologue from Krennic. You have to give it up to the the villains that monologue. Those are the best villains. Um, He's a dramatic ass bitch, and mm-hmm. he's not gonna. I mean, that drama stays with him till he dies. With the with the one arm like pull, dramatic. <laughs> <laughs> Stand up. And and that just goes to show you that the enemy of Star Wars was drama kids. All of them. <laughs> oh yeah, all of them. That's why we were so worried that Luke might turn. Like he was a drama kid who just didn't get to go to drama class. Uh, but he it was in it was inside him like from from the start. Um, but but yeah, this I know this this whole scene and then also, uh, I mean I, I'm sure you got feeling on this chase. The whole space battle that's taking place above, I mean my, one of my my favorite Star Wars things ever is just having the multiple storylines at the same time. Mm-hmm. All of them get stalled at the same time and then slowly one breaks through and then the other and then the other. Makes I I love their, you know, the the sh- just the, the the shot alone of the camera angle like like glued to the X-wing coming out of hyperspace into this huge battle is just like oh my god and then you see all this and there's so many little easter eggs that we get like the ghost is in this battle uh the ghost the ghost and chopper are on yavin 4 um so like that's cool to see but like we and they they use some of the old footage that was never used from the original star wars uh when they're doing the call-ins like you know gold leader reporting in you know red leader reporting in like that's just old footage that they just kind of upscaled uh, and so, like, that's great. And the shield generator is awesome. Watching those two X-Wings slam into the shield generator, you're just like, yeah. oh, God, buddy. I'm you sorry. Got a <laughs> I'm sorry. And the seeing all of, like, the, the U-Wing is one of my, like, f- becoming one of my favorite ships in Star Wars. It's so cool. Uh, it looks like a F-14 Tomcat, just like, wah, wah. Uh, <laughs> um, and, uh, and like, yeah, the new ties that we see, but also them just like shooting a ship into another ship into another ship. It's <laughs> awesome. And they get the, like the KOTOR hammerhead mm-hmm. that just shows up randomly. And it's like, yeah, just right. It's like, I got an idea. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, it's so awesome. Uh, just like crashing it into and just when the Star Destroyers go into the shield generator and we don't hear a thing except for the score uh, and then we see the shield dissipate it's like oh, it's just like the the art of war at work uh, it always makes me think of uh, just the scene on the office where Dwight is like whittling a knife and Phyllis comes in and he's like what are you doing making a knife with another knife like <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I always that's kind of uh, I have acrylic coffee works in the chat Krennic looking up at the Death Star would be the most satisfying scene if everyone else didn't unalive along with him it's probably the most poetic death mm-hmm. it's the most satisfying thing to watch in Star Wars 
like watching Krennic just like look up, just boom look up. headshot by the Death Star. <laughs> <laughs> like you're like yeah, yeah. With kind of like extreme you know, everything perfect. Like the oh, it's perfect. Like oh, the switch over there. That is the perfect shot. They missed the base, but hit Krennic in the way. Is <laughs> it? <laughs> Tarkin's like hit the base. Oh, we missed the base. We knocked, we vaporized Krennic and then hit the ocean. It's still gonna work out in there and what they wanted, but it's like, man, <laughs> fuck you, Krennic. <laughs> there, I feel, the empire there. There had to be like a gunner with like an extreme zoom who's just like, <laughs> oh, <laughs> just, I, I, I love this. Sorry, sorry, I missed. <laughs> Gotta hate that guy. <laughs> Oh man! Um, Just talking on the Death Star is like so. I shot my boss. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and love seeing the Mon Cala representation. Um, you, you gotta love to see it. I love the his, his ship with the, the the glass, you know, kind of bottom up. I don't know. I just think there was some just really really cool design. Um, but yeah, we finally come up to the Vader scene. Um, oh. We have one more death to cover. Oh, sorry, sorry. Yes. Beach scene. That's what everyone does, Chaco. Ever <laughs> get so hyped up over Vader? Oh no, no, no! I I was letting you guys bring out what you wanted to bring out. <laughs> y'all, y'all didn't mention it. <laughs> oh, we stand here among victim blaming. <laughs> um. Yeah, but but yes, the the final the final beach scene, which was beautiful. What do you guys think? I think it's there's something very beautiful about uh, Jen Erso, who we kind of learn in the novelization, just kind of always assumed that she would one die alone and two die with no one knowing that she was Jen Erso. Being able to not die alone, being able to die with a person who didn't leave her the one person basically in her life who didn't leave her despite seeing her at her worst and seeing her you know and I mean kind of being part of the reason that she was at her worst but um despite you know seeing her at her worst Cassian Cassian didn't leave her I'm not used to people sticking around when things go bad welcome home like welcome home he he she Cassian is her home which is all she wanted in the end she she wanted someone she didn't want to be alone and even that affirmation finally to say you know your father would be proud of you is is beautiful and I also think you know Cassian not having to die alone when I think probably that was also something that he might have assumed being a rebel especially a spy that you know I'm undercover, whatever, but also that and and being able to die for the cause that he believes in, that he put so much of his adult life into and knowing that he has made a difference. Um, that's another like, is, do you think anybody's out? Do you think anybody out there is listening? I do. Someone's out there. And then, of course, we see Leia saying that they brought her hope um, is is very beautiful. And yeah, and just that whole scene, them like hugging and uh, 
And I think the Scarif stuff was filmed really early on, because I know that Riz Ahmed said, like, Bodhi's death scene was one of the first things he filmed. So, like, honestly, the fact that they were able to do that so well so early on, pretty <laughs> impressive. That's yeah. that's funny. I didn't know that. I, I I like knowing myself, if I was in that last scene, I know I would have said something stupid to, like, bring levity to the moment, like, right before we died. And so, <laughs> yeah, you, you don't want to be in the, in the bunker with me. The last second before he hit, I'd be like, buttholes. <laughs> my sunglasses. Uh, I, I think I think the beach ending, um, it's so impactful. It's so well shot. It's just, it's like, it's hard to process in a way of like everything that's going on because like in a way... I, I'm sure they're they're hoping that this is the last time it's ever fired, and we know that's not the case. Um, but that's that's all they can go off is like this is going to be the last one. That's all they can probably think of is like this shot is the last. You know, they they watched Jetta go, and now they're watching. You know, Scarif to them is just an Imperial installation, but it's going to take them out. And it's like we sent the plans. It's never going to be fired again. They're you know the alliance is going to take care of this. Um, and yeah, and I think just. Scarif in general, um, it's so visceral, the like the ground section, and you. I think we do see a really good separation of rebels versus empire because, like, when the rebels go down, they check on each other. You know, there's emotion. You know, when it when one of their guys goes down, both the stormtroopers, it's just it's another trooper. Just keep going, keep pushing. Um, I think they did that whole. I think for an action scene there's a lot of really good storytelling going on it's not just pew pew boom boom mm -hmm. uh there is a lot of pew pew boom boom which is great uh but like you see so much going on you feel a lot of things happening and the the finale with the the death star is just like ugh. it like echoes to like it echoes to what krennic says on jetty he's like oh it's beautiful like you do see like it ah, this is kind of beautiful in a sad way yeah, that that shot of the Death Star coming over the horizon was actually a really beautiful shot for yeah. a death machine. Oh. Yeah, or even that just that last with the like white against like Jen and Cassian hugging. Mm -hmm. Like I always used to think that's such a beautiful still, but yeah, it's so sad when you like think about what's actually happening. I'm I'm gonna say something uh, I don't know problematic in the Star Wars community. <laughs> Um, I think that 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 Jin and Cassian are probably the best example of hope in Star Wars. I think um, I think Luke gets stated as hope. I think Luke is more willpower than hope. Mm -hmm. He's more I'm not going to fall down. But they were like, we know that doing this is going to make a difference. We believe that by carrying the torch as far as we could possibly go, someone else is going to pick it up and carry it and carry it forward. I, mm -hmm. I think that that's hope. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah. I mean, Emmy, you brought it up, you know, that when they're in the elevator and I think it's when they're in the elevator, but when Cassian says, do you think anyone's listening? You know, you don't get, I hope so. Jin says, I do. Uh, like they, they, you're right. They are hope. You know, it's not they're hopeful, but they are the hope, you know. Yeah. I think, and I think, yeah, like, I think that just almost shows, too, like, what 
Christian has learned from Cassian throughout it. You know, rebellions are built on hope. Cassian, despite all that he's had to do, despite all that he's had to go through, he still very sincerely believes in hope. And through him, Jin can also believe in hope again and can also provide that hope to him in his last moments to say, yes, yeah, someone's listening. You did what you needed to do. You were the rebel soldier that you wanted to be in this moment. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I think, I think, yeah, like I know a lot of people say Luke or I think Leia too is like, you know, this representation of hope, but I do think that Jen Cassian maybe represented even more. Yeah. I, I've been reading a lot of Green Lantern, so hope versus will has been a topic that's on my mind a lot lately. <laughs> um, all right. Uh, so then we have uh, we have kind of the, the Vader scene, and I want to also wrap it up with. So we have the, the the final scene where we get Leia saying hope, and you know we get the the tantrum for taking off. Which just makes the beginning of A New Hope hilarious. He was like, I just saw you! Which is like, nah, bro, I'm on a diplomatic mission. He's like, do you think I'm stupid? Like, god damn it. It's like, I, I, don't, I don't know what you're talking about. Wasn't me. Must have, must have been a different blockade runner. I don't know why we named it a blockade runner. Yeah, it's, it's the SpongeBob episode where, like, this wallet is yours. It says Patrick <laughs> makes sense to me. So you're here with the rebellion, not mine. <laughs> well, I'm on a diplomatic mission. <laughs> uh, so uh, so yeah, we'll, we'll we'll go around and we'll talk about that, that final scene, and then also um, we're getting Andor. Is there any other Rogue One related project that you guys would greenlight if you uh, if you had the ability, or would rather move on, focus on on newer stuff? Uh, I'm curious. Uh, and then also, if you want to, uh, I'll go around one more time after that for closing thoughts and, and that stuff. But um, uh, what do you think, uh, Chase? Um, I don't want you know. Once we get Andor, I don't want any more Rogue One related content. I think it is, I think it is such a good example of how to tell an encapsulated story. Um, I can just speak for myself, and I know a lot of people agree, but I became so attached to the crew of to to the crew of Rogue One in a two hour movie. You know, I didn't need a a non-tilogy to appreciate those characters. And I do obviously like getting more. And that's why I'm excited for something like Andor and to tell the story of Cassian, you know, before Rogue One. Um, but yeah, I I like the story where it is. I like where it starts and I like where it ends. So no, I don't personally want any. I want to keep moving forward and getting more stories like Rogue One and getting more characters we can get attached to in the same way. Um, but yeah, I every time I watch this movie, I think this is the best Star Wars movie. I don't think it's my favorite. I think A New Hope will always be my favorite. And the Tantive Force scene, I'll just say this. Does the Vader scene need to be in the movie? No. Is it awesome? Yes. <laughs> so it can stay, 
does his cape need to billow in space? No, but it's <laughs> menacing, so it's fine. Um, but I can I can tell you this, like on top of like crying pretty much throughout this entire movie, when they turn on the lights in the Tantive Four, and you kind of like I remember in the in the uh, in the theater when this movie first came out, when they turn on the lights and it is that same white background of the Tantive Four, I was like, oh my god, I can't deal with this movie anymore. <laughs> it is just like this nostalgic rush of like this is how it all starts. Like, and it's like what we were all, I mean, myself for sure. And I know a lot of us, like, this is where we're introduced to Star Wars is this ship started Star Wars for us and just them turning on the lights at the end of the movie. And it's like, here it is. This is Star Wars now. Uh, I love it. And I think it is the best Star Wars movie. Um, It's not my favorite. New Hope, I think, will always be my favorite, but it's the best movie. Yeah, nice. And, uh, you, M? Um, okay. Uh, so yeah, I like the Vader scene. I feel like maybe I'm <laughs> as a hater. I think it's a really cool Darth Vader scene. I think my issue is uh, generally how it sometimes tends to overshadow what I think is the most important parts of the story, which is Jin and Cassian's story and this message of hope and sacrifice and the rebellion um and not the cool sith lord does the cool murder um (laughs) but it's it's fine i love the leia scene at the end um when she says hope and like i said i think that's a really fantastic lead-in to a new hope and i also think when you put it in the context of when the movie came out in 2016 it was right after like or it was like during um like when carrie fisher died so having, you know, that scene and and knowing, I know it's not her and it's not Billy, but like knowing the context of that, it feels like such a sweet little like nod and mm-hmm. send off to Carrie to have, you know, see Leia in the original white dress with the hood and the buns saying, you know, they brought us hope and her story starting where we see it began. I, I love that so much. Um, yeah, and I love, I mean, I... I'm a firm believer in uh, Jin and Leia would have been friends <laughs> if they had gotten to meet. So I also love seeing Leia so close to to Jin. Um, and then other Rogue One project, I'm kind of like Chase. I I love that I was able to connect with these characters throughout this movie, but I have the opposite where like I will take <laughs> any comment you want to give me. Um, I don't think that I would want to do another tv show or movie um i think i more want to sit with um comics or books so i said i would i would love to get a Bodhi comic or book especially because he's the only character of the rogue one crew who has not or or will or like hasn't yet gotten his own like form of media um so i would love to to see that get some background on Bodhi in um the empire and and him really going through the process of like deciding that he's going to defect and meeting Galen and, and having all of those feelings. Um, I know Cheered and Bays have a book, but it's like a junior one. I would love an adult book that explores um, basically them meeting as, as kids and through their, you know, years, ideally in my world, they're not going to do it, but it would be a romance novel. <laughs> um, but that's not going to happen. Um, and I don't know, for Andor, 
I I am kind of hoping that like Obi-Wan, they'll they'll kind of go all in and I would love to get like a Cassian Andor young adult novel or a short comic run or something like that. Um, Cause I don't know how much time they're gonna skip, but I'm assuming based on, you know, how, what we've been told and following him through adulthood that we're gonna skip maybe some of his teen years, but I would love to, um, you know, get a short story similar maybe to Rebel Rising or um, maybe actually closer to something like Leia Prince of Alder on the covers a shorter period of time in Cassian's young adulthood. Um, just because I'll, I'll take any content and I actually <laughs> love the young adult Star Wars novels. Um, I, I love DOJ. DOJ yeah. for Cassie and Andor young adult novel. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I'm saying. But yeah, I think yeah. I love it. Um, I love Rebel Rising, but I don't know if I think I would, if it was adapted, I would rather see it, which I don't think they will do, but like a dream would be. Uh, an animation <laughs> of that story uh, in like a galaxy of adventure style animation. Um, just because I think that'd be fun. I would love to maybe, I don't know, but uh, see just like the solo epilogue had like one kind of quick thing of Jin and Saw on like a mission. Like if we got something like that in a project where it was just like, we see Saw Guerrero because, you know, he'll pop up again. Um, and he has like this kid with him um and it's 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 gin um i think that would be fun not like a whole big thing but a cameo. Yeah. uh i did love getting little nods to saw uh and this book inside of the um inferno squadron book um yeah. that made me happy yeah it was good uh, i i would take a star wars visions saw and the partisans with Jin being a part of it, anime like miniseries. I would take that. Yeah. Like that. <laughs> Even just like, like I'm thinking like, oh, just like an episode, like, you know, how Visions is kind of those like just one off stories, like one off mm -hmm. that maybe goes through like one of the missions they were on. Mm -hmm. um, like I'm thinking of the big, I don't know what it was called, but the big festival that they went to. Um, we saw kind of. We killed a bunch of people. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Hyper, hyper violent anime, but like, <laughs> yeah, like with Jin and Saw doing, doing like, un, like, like, are the like it makes you really question: Are the Empire really the bad guys? Like, it's like Demon Slayer, but <laughs> like, that's 14 why is that fourteen-year-old girl? <laughs> I do love that they're like Jin with Saw's. He says he's she's the best soldier of card. He's the most trusted soldier. That's a preteen girl. Were people just oh, like, that's a what do you mean? <laughs> like, all okay, but let's let's I, young people do amazing things in Star Wars, right? A little kid won the boot to eat classic. Padme ran a planet, you know, like I don't know. Children be built different there. That's that's yeah. so <laughs> 10,000 people in 20 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> like, I just can't help but think that some of the people that uh saw introduced like Jin to would probably like that's like his most trusted soldier. Meet my top lieutenant, Kyle. And it's like, like five foot girl who looks like she weighs 90 pounds. You're like 
Yeah. Give her some truncheons, though. Uh, she'll handle some business. Um, I, how about you? Uh, how about you, uh, Xanatos? So as far as um, Rogue One content, I think Andor is going to be the last piece of visual media. Like, I would love books, comic books, even like like what M was saying, like short cartoons would be awesome. But I think Andor is going to be like the final piece of that era. Mm-hmm. And as far as the Vader scene, yeah, I, I agree. It probably wasn't needed, but I also flew out of my seat when I first saw it. Like, I was going insane. And I actually forget what is headcanon versus what is, like, actually what happened. But, like, when they couldn't open the door, that was Vader using the Force to keep it shut. And then when he goes through them all and then he's out in space, it's like he's using the Force to make his cape flow because that's Anakin being extra. <laughs> like that is in my head every time. <laughs> I, I I love it. Um, it's it is very very dramatic of a scene. Uh, I I also love that they're they're running. Uh, I don't know how hard drives are, but like the thing that they're having just it's like just old school enough that it would fit into a New Hope. And it kind of makes me happy because, like, in my mind, it's like they're running with like a floppy disk, <laughs> and then, like, I don't know. It just it just makes me it makes me chuckle. I I used to work on like when I was in Votech, I worked on old computers all the time, and I saw hard drives constantly on a daily basis. So when they what she puts in her belt, I was like, that's a real world hard drive she's holding. Yeah. <laughs> running around data tapes. Uh... A Betamax. Like, no, <laughs> <laughs> like, when they're like, oh no, it's like it's a big file they have to submit. It's like, yeah, it's about 28 kilobytes. <laughs> Dude, I mean, I'm old enough to remember when my, my dad upgraded and it was like, dang, this is a lot of space. We upgraded to 40 gigs. And we're like, oh, you never, do you have any idea how many Word files you could put on that thing? Was Word even a thing? I don't know. Windows ninety eight was around. I, I, I think so. I, yeah, I remember. I remember the pre gig days. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh yeah, no, that was like super expensive and massive. Of like, like a who could ever use this? And and like my phone couldn't wouldn't was, work. Uh, no. It was uh, it was John Carmack or Bill Gates. It says like you'll never need more than ten megabytes of hard drive space. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. I wish. <laughs> um, and then uh, for for me, I I don't I I wouldn't need any more. Actually, no. This here's here's what I want. I want an animated cartoon that's like, um, you know, kind of simple. But I want it to be about K two S O, where like the first few things are like a cycle of a day in his life as an imperial droid and then something happens to him and then he gets reprogrammed and then he starts gaining agency and starting to think and like starts gaining freedom i think that would just be a really cool little little nugget of a droid story that's that's what i want also am i will totally go off with you uh not even just particularly Bodhi, but just a show about cargo pilots and really mundane jobs <laughs> star wars getting its own series i would that would be my favorite thing ever it's like <laughs> Actually, 
like a sitcom, just like a yeah, sitcom. It's the office, but it's oh, just but like, like the Working a cargo pilot job is like oh I'm yeah. Data entry. Like, <laughs> mm, okay. Have you seen uh, the show? Um, um, Better off Ted. No. Okay, I feel like you, guy. He works in corporate America. Like, like the the interludes between things are like the early two thousands commercials that businesses would have, where it's like eagles flying and it's like synergy, like Jabberwocky. It like and it says nothing ever. And he just works for this big faceless corporation. They don't know if they do good stuff or bad stuff. They, uh, they they put they put a mouth on a hamburger. It's it's weird. Uh, anyways, um, that's what I I would love that where it's like people just working inside of this big machine, who slowly get to realize how bad the machine is just over time. Um, and then Luke Skywalker comes and blows him up. <laughs> yes. Game uh, <laughs> Krell. <laughs> And it's like, oh fuck, we're <laughs> not doing so good. Yeah, the final episode is they're like, we're all being transferred to the Death Star, and you're like, it's it's the opposite of Rogue One, actually. Or, or like, if you just if you just like, I think what would be an interesting show would be to like have an office, like The Office, and it's just like it's just oh Imperial, but like the big twist at the end of the season is they were on the Death Star the whole time. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> like there's they don't ever mention they're like oh yeah it's another day going to the death star it's just like they're just it's you just see them at the office doing imperial office work and then it's just like like a like a they're having like a fire drill and then it's just x-wings coming to the death star. <laughs> <laughs> like, in lost stars doesn't Thane like say it's like they have like a food court there and like shops yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> It's like the cash register at the at the coffee shop on the Death Star. <laughs> You're a Death Star barista. There's, yeah. no, there's a great, I'm sure you guys, know, but the Eddie Izzard bit of <laughs> the Death Star cafeteria. That's so good. Uh, I haven't it's seen like, it. Oh, it's like it's like guy going like Darth Vader going to the cafeteria. He's like, he's like, do you know who I am? He's like, no. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Darth Vader. I'm like. Who? <laughs> like, There's I'm like a billion people here. I'll link it to It's hilarious. In a way, we uh, are just describing the undercover boss, Kylo Ren. Yes. <laughs> They're all like in the cafeteria, like talking. But I just found it's Kylo Ren's lightsaber. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, it's like, you don't have to look at it. <laughs> I heard that guy has like a 12 pack. Um, <laughs> but, <laughs> but awesome i appreciate it thank you guys so much for, for coming out this has been a lot of fun awesome conversation um yeah let's go around i'll have you guys say where we can find you and your amazing content if you have any closing thoughts and um and we'll we'll wrap it up i'll go to uh, david so first I want to say thank you, Chaco, for having me on here. And I was when when I heard about this, I was really excited to be able to talk to Emily about Rogue One because I see her content all the time. I love it. Uh, but you can find me Xenatos1138 on TikTok, Twitter, pretty much everywhere there's social media. Awesome, I appreciate it. And uh, Chase. Yeah, you can find me at Forward into the Black on all the social media. You can find David and I on the Rogue Council, basically the second Sunday of every month, talking about a new Star Wars movie. And you can find me in one week at Star Wars Celebration. Yes. Yeah. Find me at Disneyland dressed as a 
partisan resistance member. <laughs> a terrorist. Yeah, literal <laughs> terrorist walking into Disneyland. You're, you're Kado. That is one of the partisans' names, Kado. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and uh, last but not least, Stardust M. Uh, you can find me on TikTok at uh, Stardust M and on Instagram and Twitter at underscore Stardust M. And as uh, Chase said at Star Wars Celebration uh, in a week, uh, I'm going to go on Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. Um, and I'm cosplaying Jin one day uh, and then Han from Solo and then Han two days in Solo. Um, in final thought, stand the the Star Wars standalone movies, and we should be making more Star Wars standalone movies. The fact that we switched just TV shows has upset me slightly. <laughs> yeah, my excitement for Rogue One will never be calmed. <laughs> Hopefully, what we'll be getting back into it. I know it was it was Bob Iger who really hammered down of like, now we're we're going this direction, uh, but. Yeah. But the quote, Rafiki, it is time. Um, we, we need to get back in theaters. Uh, but yeah, once again, thank you guys um, for, for coming out. Anyone, Everyone who's in chat, who's been hanging out, appreciate you so much. Um, this is a lot of fun to make this content uh, every week. And so I, I appreciate having all these people to talk stories with. It's been awesome. So may the force be with you. And 